Welcome to the Lions Edge presented by BetMGM. We are talking, I don't know, half hour after the selection show on Sunday night. Turns out Tom Brady is also coming back. I mean, talk about when we were doing the Carson Wentz thing the other day, and I said, boy, do I not care about that. I don't care about this for completely different reasons. We just got 68 teams dropped into the NCAA tournament field. Anyways, we're literally talking as different uh, different numbers are being dropped. I know that we've been waiting for that Texas A&M Corpus Christi Texas Southern line. Oh, to it's come live, in there. baby. We it got is it. live. Texas oh, Southern it. minus three and a half. I mean, talk about a competitive disadvantage. Kansas rolls through the Big 12 tournament, get that big win on Saturday over Texas Tech, and now they have to play the winner of Texas A&M Corpus Christi Texas Southern. In Fort Worth, short drive for either the winner of Texas Southern and Texas A&M Corpus Christi. Competitive disadvantage there. Are you going to be on the side of the Islanders and or the, I believe, of the Eagles in that KU game? Uh, it's just none of the above. I'm not betting. All right, what do you want to talk about then? You want to talk about this 512 stuff? I know that we didn't get into Memphis, Boise State on spaces. Do you want to get more into the narrative stuff kind of? reflecting back on the selection show. I know that we talked about there's some love for Chattanooga out there. Is that going to move that line a little bit? Like what is what is absolutely at the top of your mind now that almost all of the lines have been populated? Yeah, I mean, I've, I've got some some early like stars next to some game lines that I'm going to bet when we get off here. I did take some notes uh, kind of on the back of conversations we've had over the last couple weeks. I, I wanted to specifically take notes on callouts from the selection show and kind of follow those more specifically than I have in previous years. So some of the things I wrote down, uh, I, I don't know how actionable this first one is, but the Boise State matchup, uh, that is a tortoise and the hare matchup, meaning fast team versus slow team. Keep an eye on New Mexico State. We're going to circle back to that here in a second, I'm sure. Chattanooga gets a lot of shout outs on the CBS show as well as on social media as a darling play. They are plus seven and a half against Illinois. We talked about them at length multiple times on Twitter spaces tonight. Uh, I'm sure we'll get into them here again. Loyola getting a ton of love on social media and on TV. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, Here my notes say Chattanooga gets a shout out as a team that's built like a power five team. Uh, Seth Davis doubles down on a Chattanooga upset of Illinois. I get that. And you brought this up on space again. Like, yes, they do have the size like against Illinois in terms of the height. Right. But are, are you, are you watching basketball for the first time where I don't, I don't care how big you are. Like, how do you, how do you move? Who was that Baylor rebounder? That was like six, eight, and he was the best rebounder in the league. You're talking about uh, the the guy that that gave the uh, the quote in the one press conference when they lost as a three seed. No, like, that that I, was that was Tor- that was Torian Prince. I'm not talking about him. It's either it's either Rico Gathers or somebody else. Oh yeah, year. Rico like, Gathers destroyed West Virginia like thirty and twenty every like, time. God, I, I don't care if you're six eleven. I think that Chattanooga has a guy that's like six ten or six eleven, and then Silvio D'Souza who's six nine maybe, but. Like, I, I just don't care what does your footwork look like? How do you use that size? I couldn't care less what your actual size is. I, th- I think that's probably the, the biggest takeaway. Maybe Loyola is, but it seems like Chattanooga and Loyola are kind of the two big takeaways here. You talked about VCU last week of, hey, guys, that Final Four run was 11 years ago. What does that VCU team actually look like going to the tournament? Is Loyola kind of in that, like, that VCU honeymoon phase that they were from 2012 to 2013, are they still in that ballpark where we didn't necessarily think those VCU teams were bad that kept going to tournament after that final four run, but 
Do we need to pump the brakes a little bit on Loyola, even though, as we said last week, we both like Loyola a lot, but I wrote this quote down exactly, I think, how Seth Davis said it. He just flat out said, Loyola is going to beat Ohio State in the first round. And you know that a lot of people that haven't actually watched Loyola since the win over Illinois last year, they only remember Ohio State losing the Big Ten tournament this year. They only remember Ohio State losing to Oral Roberts last year. A lot of them are going to say, hmm, I like that for kind of a conservative upset pick. Yeah, I mean, you're exactly right. It's not about is Loyola good or is Loyola bad. It's about overvalued and undervalued. And it's great these two nice runs that Loyola has had the last five years, especially the one to the Final Four. Like, all of that is awesome. But what you have to ask yourself is, like, imagine that this is a stock, right? Are you buying high, too high on the stock? Like, in terms of the value of where Loyola is in the marketplace right now, like what are they and are they going to go higher or is this now time to sell because this is the height of their public perception? And I would argue that it is because you're talking about a Loyola team that even like one year removed from last year, it's, it's a different Loyola team, like what they're doing this year and who they are. And you have to go against a, a higher seated Ohio State team in Pittsburgh, and if you're not familiar with that part of the country, like Columbus to Pittsburgh, not a very far drive. Like that's gonna be a home game for Ohio State in in terms of like how the crowd breaks down for that specific game. So I, I think Ohio State here as an underdog is is I'm not saying it's crazy because it's it's the marketplace. Like I understand that, but I would be looking at Ohio State here to hold serve as the seven seed despite the fact that they're being handicapped as an underdog. It's just, it's time to sell. What's that Loyola's number at? It's at uh, what, one, and one and a half right now. Loyola is a point and a half, uh, one and, and a half right. point favorite. Yeah. Yeah. One and a half Ohio state plus one Oh five on the money line. Then Loyola Chicago minus one twenty five. before we, I know there's a lot of stuff we kind of want to get back to that. We talked about in space that we talked about last week, but there are some games that we just didn't really talk about at all. I know you kind of mentioned Yale, Purdue in passing, and that goes to the parlay thing. You kind of warned everybody, be careful with your parlays. You and I both love college basketball money money line parlays in the regular season because the volume is so gigantic. When you have, I think it's 5,800 to 5,900 college basketball games, 100 games on some Saturdays, you're going to be able to find different values and piece together a three, four, five team parlay to get to even money or even close to it, get to a minus 125, get to a minus 150. And the NCAA tournament, not only is that obviously shrunk because you only have 67 total games over two and a half weeks or so, but everybody is betting on these games. Let's talk about this for like two minutes. Every like month, it feels like BetMGM, we're adding a state. But going back to the last traditional tournament three years ago, I don't even know how many states had legal online betting at that point. And I get that people have been betting illegally forever. But like how much of a factor for how much we talk about public narrative and public perception, how much of a factor is it that you're going to have people betting on this tournament that have never bet on college basketball or an NCAA tournament before? And is that going to allow somebody that does know college basketball that does pay attention to Yale and Purdue and Texas and Auburn to capitalize on that. When these people haven't really been paying attention to college basketball, haven't actually bet on a five twelve game before. Uh, this isn't a fun answer, but I think the answer to your question is it doesn't really matter. Um, I, I think the, they're not setting lines in any way that 
are impacted by like the influx of gamblers because the reality is that the influx of gamblers in these new states are they're public betters that are betting extremely low volume. So just, I mean, it's awesome that like Louisiana is now open for basketball betting and maybe there's going to be a bunch of people that come in and hit LSU minus four and a half, which I think we're going to get to in a second, but I don't, I don't see that number being manipulated any way, one way or the other, because there's now a bunch of new betters in Louisiana. Let's talk about the LSU, uh, Iowa State game. This is, I mean, there are narratives and storylines up the ass about this game, both in betting, both off the court with the whole Will Wade situation. Uh, Iowa State making that rebound from the two-win team last year and TJ Otzelberger leading this team back to the NCAA tournament. I'm still not entirely sure, like, how good this Iowa State team is. I know there's been a lot of buzz about how Iowa is so hot and cold right before the selection show. I saw somebody tweet that Iowa is either going to win the national championship or lose in the first round. I think that's oversimplifying it, but the, the point stands is that it's a very inconsistent team. Same deal with Iowa State, just kind of on a lesser level. I don't think this Iowa State team is capable of making a run to the Final Four, but this is an Iowa State team that has beat some really good teams, has gotten blown out by some really good teams, and now they go and make the trip. I didn't even look to see what the uh, actual mileage is from Ames to Milwaukee, but the, it's within a half day for a lot of Iowa State fans to say, hey, let's take the day off and go over to Milwaukee. So you have the geographical component to it. You have Will Wade not coaching LSU. I mentioned that I don't really know how to quantify the Will Wade situation because it's this isn't just like a coach left for another job and he's not coaching the NCAA tournament, which we almost never see anyways. But I'm having a hard time quantifying that piece of it. And you've talked a lot about in the past with college football, how to bet on teams after a coaching change. And it's so case by case basis. How are you reading this from the LSU standpoint? Because even though TJ Otzelberger is very early in his rebuild, and I don't think we've seen exactly what this Iowa State identity is going to be over the next four or five, 10 years. I think we generally know what we're getting out of Iowa State, whereas LSU, we know maybe what we're getting on the court from a team that was coached by Will Wade. But not only is this team not coached by Will Wade on the court, what's their mindset like off the court? Are they just happy that there's clarity? Did they not like Will Wade? Are they happy that he's gone? Are they curious who's going to be their replacement? How are you quantifying that situation with LSU? And do you even do you even care about that at all? So the lame but honest answer is I have no idea. Are you going to give boring, lame so, no, answers I'm, the whole podcast? Or are we I'm, just doing this to start? I'm not going to – I have good stuff on this. And your 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 uh, your skepticism about my back to back lame answers is well founded. Five and uh, a half I'm, hours, by the way, to Milwaukee, farther than I thought. But I also don't care if it's under eight or nine. Yeah, you're going. Iowa you're, State fans are going to be there. You're taking the day off, and you're going to Milwaukee. If you, you know, if you're a big Cyclones fan, what do you Look, got? LSU. I, I have no idea how to even imagine because this isn't just a normal coach firing. Like this is. This is a little different, right? This is basically a, I don't want to say unprecedented, but we've never had a situation quite like this one. Oh, it's for sure unprecedented. I mean, he's been on the hot seat for four and a half years. He was suspended a few years ago for the tournament. Like, like we, we, we've literally never seen this before. And talk about like a case-by-case basis in college football. I mean, this is, that's why, that's why I'm asking the question is like, how on earth can we know what LSU is doing right now? And that's why I say, like, I, I couldn't even begin to try to figure out what how the hell those guys feel. But here's what I know. when And you and I, I think, started in a similar place. When we saw Iowa State, LSU, and we, we see that come up on the bracket, 
I immediately thought, is Iowa State going to be favored in that game? Like, what What everybody is hyper aware of the LSU situation. It, it, it all breaks hours before, you know, the, the selection show, right? Like, in, in the immediate run-up of championship week and going into selection Sunday, we get what the deal is going to be on LSU and, and all the reports and Will Wade is no longer blah, 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 right? So I'm thinking the public is going to be all over Iowa State. People are just going to come in on Iowa State and think LSU is a broken team and it's all chaos at the worst possible moment. They have no shot. And yet the book hangs LSU as a four and a half point favorite. Like that is significant to me. We've got a 13 seed that's a two and a half point underdog to a four seed. And LSU is a four and a half point favorite over Iowa State. So this is, to me, I was a little surprised at the respect that LSU got. And to me, this is a signal that you should take LSU seriously. It's almost even a signal that that the sports book is kind of daring you to take Iowa State. Like, we're going to give you this many points. You know, one of the fallacies is that this, the sports book, like, doesn't make bets. Sometimes they do. And, and I, that's kind of how I'm reading this scenario is that they are almost daring you to take Iowa State plus the points in what some may perceive as a busted, broken LSU scenario because they feel like LSU is the right team and it's the right side. Does that mean that, that you know the players are going to rally around themselves and the tournament and this challenge? I have no idea, man. I, all I can tell you is is what the number says. And the way I read this number is that LSU is the side and that you should be picking LSU to advance in your bracket and you should be laying the four and a half with them because they're the right side and they're going to cover here. Can we go back to that South Dakota State Providence line? Because this is like one of the most fascinating lines that I've ever I, seen. The most NCAA fascinating tournament. line of the year, I think. Because there's, I mean, there's so much at play here. I think that Providence is like a likable team. I think they're a team that has done well in the past, and a lot of people wouldn't mind seeing Providence in the Final Four. I know there's a lot of talk about, I don't want to see Duke again. I don't want to see Kansas again. I don't want to see North Carolina again. But I think if Providence made a run to the Final Four, generally people would be pretty happy, especially within the industry, because so many people like Ed Cooley, they've had good teams in the past, but they haven't like actually made noise in the NCAA tournament against South Dakota State team that I think everybody knows is good. But who's watching Summit League basketball? And even if they are, or at least checked out South Dakota State at some point this season, I don't know if they understand like how good or bad the teams at South Dakota State is pounding. I mean, do, do they actually know how good Oral Roberts is this year? Do they even know that Kevin O'Banner transferred to Texas Tech? Or do they think that that guy who scored a bunch of points in the state tournament is still there? So those are all like the non-betting pieces of it. And then you come out and the book puts this number at minus two and a half. I kind of expected it to move by now. I think you pinged us on teams right when this well, came it, out. It and... has moved because it was one and a half. Oh, you're right. It was one and a half. So, yeah, so you are right about this. So it has moved toward Providence. I don't even know how to unpack this game because immediately right off the bat, I'm saying I'm taking Providence 100%. Yes. I think my you quote very, was good. You and I were boys. very clear on opposite sides right out of the gate in our team's chat. You're like, yeah, I believe you said I'm going to win a million dollars. But then you can, I mean, this is generally what happens on the show where I'll see a number. I'll be really excited about this. And you'll come on and say, OK, why is that number two and a half? I mentioned the, the Weber State Montana State game in the Big Sky Champion in the Big Sky Tournament 
where you pinged us and said, boy, this number seems really weird, doesn't it? And yeah, I agree, it seemed weird, but you're more willing to then kind of lean into the weird and say, why? I mean, talk about the sports book making a bet and saying, why is this number at Weber State minus the one and a half instead of at Montana State? I think you ended up losing that. Obviously, yeah, you lost that back to Montana State. Yeah, they year, led but, for like 35 minutes and absolutely blew it. But like generally, you're more willing to say, why is this number two and a half? God, if it's two and a half, something is up here because I am of the belief where I think if this number was at, you probably agree with me. If this number was like five and a half. South I was Coast just State, about to make that point. Yeah. Like the book is probably going to get pounded on. You that, could, so you could make a closer line, but you could make a, a suspiciously like, wow, that could be, they're really giving a lot of respect to South Dakota state as a 13 seed. And you could still make that kind of line at four and a half or five and a half, right? It's a 13 and a four. You're expecting there to be some separation. To have South Dakota State open at plus one and a half and then add in the fact, which I, I think uh, I think we missed here in, in the little opening uh, setup here, that the game is in Buffalo. So you're expecting, I think just geographically, you're expecting Providence fans to show up. Now, the thing that didn't occur to me the first time we talked about this on Twitter Spaces and that has occurred to me since then is – Yes, geographically, there is an advantage to Providence. But you're talking about South Dakota State, a big public institution in a state that doesn't have a lot of Division I public institutions, a, a team and a program that has been the best team in their conference the last few years and has not had the NCAA tournaments to show for it. Maybe you've got a lot of Jack Rapids fans that are sitting there with money in the savings account ready to go to an NCAA tournament game. Big public institution versus Providence, which I looked up 10 minutes ago, undergrad enrollment of 4,000. So I, I, I get that geographically they're closer. I don't know how and, – and look, I'm not in the Northeast. You're definitely not in the Northeast. So I, maybe I'm wrong on this. I don't know how many Providence athletics fans there are in like the tri-state area. Um, maybe there are a lot. But I would guess that maybe we're giving too much respect – to the geographic home court component kind of this. Uh, I, I think that could be the case. And I, I just, I look at this number, I'm knowing that it opened at one and a half and think, man, like I think South Dakota state is the side. You got to read the number there. If it's five and a half, I'm thinking, okay, tight game. This could go either way. One and a half. That is an immense amount of respect to give South Dakota state. And it, it feels like the book is telegraphing, like how they, how, which way they want you to go. And of course, I'm going to zag and go the other way. One final note on the location thing, then we can move on to some other games. Like I know we haven't even talked about Marquette, North Carolina, for example. We haven't even talked about uh, Creighton, San Diego State. But one other thing on the location, like who is the opposite matchup in that bracket? And it's Iowa, Richmond. And there are obviously other games in Buffalo. I know that we're like getting really into the weeds and going down a rabbit hole here. But I think that a lot of us forget like, Oh, how well is UAB going to travel to wherever they play Houston? I don't even know if I'll top that my top of my head, but a lot of fans in that stand, you know, stands, they want to see the 12, five upset. So they are going to be de facto UAB fans for two and a half hours. In the case of South Dakota state, like are Iowa fans going to be rooting on South Dakota state? Are yeah, Richmond fans going to be rooting on South Dakota state? Because Iowa fans travel really well. I, I don't, I don't know. Like, I don't know if there's some sort of rivalry with Iowa and South Dakota State. I doubt it. But I think that we forget that all of these neutral fans, like 90% of them 
want the upset. Yeah, you want the chaos. Chaos is a ladder in, in basketball and Westeros. Chaos is a ladder. All right. On that note, <laughs> where else do you want to go? We haven't talked about Creighton, uh, San Diego State. That number is San Diego State minus the one and a half. I mentioned we haven't talked about Marquette, North Carolina. I know that every uh, that number is minus two and a half. The total on that game, 144 and a half, uh, minus 145 for North Carolina. Anyways, I know that like, the 8-9 matchup doesn't really get any buzz ever in terms of the actual matchup. Everybody's just looking ahead and saying, okay, who's the one seed on the other side of that? Can TCU or Seton Hall give Arizona some issues? Can, uh, in this case, Creighton or San Diego State, well, I guess in a lot of these cases, Creighton or San Diego State give Kansas some issues? Can Marquette or North Carolina give, I believe it's Baylor, some issues? Can Boise State Memphis give Gonzaga? So I know the 8-9 matchup doesn't get a lot of attention because nobody really cares who wins unless it's in your bracket or unless you bet it. Does that mean that there's opportunity there though? Like at North Carolina minus the two and a half, I mean, talk about a team that I get they didn't make the run in the ACC champion to the ACC championship game that a lot of people thought they were going to, but a team that has kind of finally put it together after a lot of us wondered, are they even going to be in the tournament? Including myself who kind of just wrote off North Carolina a month ago as saying they have no shot to make the tournament because it's an 8-9 game, like is there more value? It's just like on the complete opposite side of the spectrum as the 5-12 where everybody is paying attention to it, everybody's picking upsets, everybody's betting it, but nobody is really caring about the 8-9 just because it's an 8-9. Yeah, I, I think, um, look, the, the stats say that the 9 is generally speaking a better, a slightly better investment than the 8. Um, I think what a lot of people do is like the narrative is, oh, it's a toss up. Like that was, that was one of the things you heard on the, uh, on the CBS show, uh, uh, eight, nine, it's a toss up. Um, so I think that's why these games are handicapped so tightly all the time is because the idea is they're so close. And in reality, the, the winning margins are probably just as big or just as small or just as tight as any other seated matchups, right? Just because all of the favorites in the 8-9 matchups are two-point favorites doesn't mean all the games are going to be two-point games. So I'm looking for other angles into those matchups. And one of the ones I, I started to you know, reflect on maybe 10 or 20 minutes ago was that North Carolina Marquette game that you mentioned. North Carolina is by far the bigger brand, right? Now, I know they're not – they're an eight seed this year. This is not a, a vintage Tar Heels team. But – the idea that they're the the eight seed playing against the nine seed, the idea that they're a short favorite, and then the idea that they are a blue blood makes it almost a guaranteed certainty that the majority of the public money here is going to be on North Carolina. Yeah. And yet they are just a little, you know, just a, a little two-point favorite. Basically don't even have to lay anything. Like, just don't even think about it. I'll lay the two. Like, if they, if they win, they're probably going to cover two. That sort of thing. Really is making me think about Marquette. Because um, either that line hasn't been thought through, or that is just a very easy, like, snap it up, read the line, take the, take the short dog to win outright. So I, I'll be looking at Marquette for my brackets. Ironically, though, if, if North Carolina does advance, I do think – the, this, their style of play could be something that challenges Baylor. So it's it's an interesting – I mean, this is when we get into these weird like if-but situations in March where it's like, hey, I think if that team made an additional round, boy, that would be an interesting matchup and I would want to take them, but I also kind of don't think they're going to get there in the first place because I like this other team to beat them first. 
So, and then going back to the selection show, yeah, going back to the selection show on that note, there, there was a comment from, from somebody that, uh, Texas tech is going to give Duke some trouble and there were going down. I mean, we're going to the sweet 16 because Texas tech has Montana state in the first round. They'd have to beat the winner of, uh, Rutgers, Notre Dame or Alabama. So we're going like two spots down. And I get that that's kind of now hard to evaluate. Like, does that mean that people are going to be automatically assuming Texas Tech is going to beat Montana State. And what was that number out of 15 and a half, I think? So because, yeah, so because that comment was made, now are people taking Texas Tech at the 15 and a half? Or are they just going to wait until the Duke game and take Texas Tech as a money line dog at the plus 150? That's kind of one of those things where I don't know. I mean, I talk about looking ahead in these eight, nine games, but I don't know how to, if that impacts any decision that I'm having in the first round of picking these games in my actual bracket and then betting on these games because they're, you get to a point where there are just too many variables at play looking ahead. And I get there are so many circumstances in college basketball history looking at the tournament. We'll say like this, oh, we, I really want to see the North Carolina Baylor matchup and then Marquette just wins and we right. don't get that matchup because everybody assumed we were going to get it. I'm really, I mean, I'm curious about line movement everywhere, but I'm curious if we even see line movement in this game at all. Like you said, I, I'm I agree with you. I think the majority of the public will be on North Carolina probably pretty heavily here. So if yeah. we see like ninety eight, ten heavy, like I think it's going to be really heavy. So if we see that and they don't move this number, I think maybe that's what I'm waiting for here. That would probably push the scales for me. Just like uh, in the SEC championship game, I didn't bet that. I just didn't have a whole lot of time to look at different numbers for that. I didn't bet that until pretty late until I saw that the public was just absolutely all over Texas A&M, but this number, that number hadn't moved off of six and a half. So I didn't bet that game almost right up until tip-off at 1 Eastern today. I think maybe that's the case here. I wait until that game, whatever day that is on, I think that's a Friday game maybe. Yeah. Maybe a little bit it's before only that gonna game. Go to, it's only going to go up. You're only going to get Marquette at a better number, right? So you think that North Carolina can get 90% of the tickets and bump it to three or three and a half because the book is saying, you know what, we love this position. Let's get a big win here. Assuming we are correct about North Carolina and how it's going to be bet, which I think we are, at worst, you can get the same number four days from now that you can get right now. At best, that number is going to continue to move toward North Carolina, and you can buy in at a Marquette at a better number later in the week. And I know that we're going to drop a, a bigger, just more comprehensive episode where we're probably, we might run through every matchup or run through every seed matchup that'll drop on Wednesday. But uh, some of these totals are populating. I referenced a few of these during spaces that I'm really curious to see where they come in at. I want to know where that Texas tech, uh, Montana state number. I think that just dropped at one thirty one and a half. and uh, I'm going to do some more looking into that, but that seems like a strong underplay for me. Have you had a chance to look at any of these numbers? Chattanooga, Illinois just came in at one thirty five and a half. and uh, I don't see any I mean, we've talked about that Colgate number. Who were they playing last year? Arkansas? Uh, yeah, Tennessee, Arkansas last Arkansas. year. And I'm not seeing one of anything that's even remotely up there. The North Carolina Marquette number is 150 and a half. Uh, talk about our guy on spaces all over Bryant and Peter Kiss. 151 and a half. I, I, I would imagine the public is going to pound that because they're going to get all this Peter Kiss love for the I next I don't think the public's going to pound anything related to Bryant Wright State. Where are you looking for the totals uh, here? I'm surprised. I mean, totals. Look, I've barely looked at any totals at all because when we started this podcast, there were no totals available. So I really haven't had the chance to look at a lot. But the one I did see that kind of caught my eye was the Auburn-Jacksonville State total, which is 138 and a half. That's an over to me. 
Auburn plays fast. Both teams are going to hit threes. Um, I, I am a little surprised that that number is less than 140. I'm actually surprised to the point where it makes me a little nervous to bet it. Isn't Auburn like a top 25 tempo team, Ken Palm? Top, uh, no, they're number 40. They're number 40. Yeah, they're number 40, but uh, I don't even know what Jacksonville State is. Uh, they're a little bit, uh, 276. So they're going to be anyways. playing catch up though. I mean, they're, they're going to be trailing Auburn. So they're going to have to play to Auburn's pace because they're going to be by behind ostensibly by, you know, several possessions for much of the game. I would think Jacksonville state plus 1400 sprinkle no, a little bit. No, there, thanks. Huh? no, thanks. This isn't the oral Roberts for you. We're not doing it no, again this year. Thanks. Do you have Oral Roberts on the money line, or did you just take the spread in that game? I can't remember. I know I had the spread. I was big on the spread. I can't remember if I had. I think I did. I think I had it, but like for not not much worth talking about because it was like, what? Oral Roberts is going to beat Ohio State? Come on. Um, let's let's go through some of the some of the numbers I have flagged here. Uh, just like little hits. Uh, I I don't want to like go crazy on the bracket because, like we said, we, we have a much meatier episode planned for Wednesday, but I do want to offer like some of my, some of my quick notes here on some of the numbers. UConn opened seven and a half. They're down to six and a half against New Mexico state. Uh, we talked about this a couple of different places. New Mexico state has won the whack seven times in the last decade. Uh, they are zero and seven in tournament games. This is, uh, like we said, uh, keep an eye on New Mexico state was said explicitly in the selection show. This is a total, like everybody manifests an upset that doesn't actually end up happening. I love UConn minus the six and a half. I love that I'm getting better value, uh, closing line value. I mean, you can't really say closing line value on an hour and a half after the selection show, but I love that it's come down from seven and a half to six and a half. Who uh, did who did New Mexico State almost beat last year? Remember that game where they had the shot at the end? I can't remember that game either. But yeah, I, I agree with you that somehow New Mexico State is overrated. <laughs> yeah, Las Cruces is getting a little bit too much love. I don't know why. Yeah. Um, I'll probably do some digging on this, this total also at one thirty two and a half. but yeah, I mean, I, th- we, we talked about that building those parlays out and maybe throwing in some of a little bit of, uh, of a smaller number to get you closer to even money mix in with your Purdue, for example, UConn at minus 300. I think that's, that's like the, the type of number in that ballpark that I'm looking for to get there. Cause it's really hard to get there with when you're putting all these, if 16s are even available, the one sixteen. but it's really hard to get there when you're throwing in minus 2,500, I think Purdue is. So UConn is kind of in that ballpark of minus 300. Well, and, and I would say this in terms of money line parlays. They, there's kind of two different strategies I, I would have. I would have the ultra conservative, this shit will not lose number. And maybe you don't even get to even odds on that. Maybe you're laying like, you know, maybe you're you're paying, you know, 300 on that. And I would be willing to do that if it is a like stone cold lock. None of these teams are getting upset, period. Which is very hard to do in March Madness, but you can you can find it. You, you know, short of crazy, you know, UMBC type games where you just kind of have to take the loss. You're 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 getting slighted by history at that point. What are you going to do? Uh, I would build like an ultra conservative one, and then maybe a, a little ballsier one where you'd put in numbers like that UConn number, where it's like, hey, I feel good about UConn. I feel like they're going to cover. So putting putting them into a money line parlay, like I feel pretty good about getting them at three hundred. That said, it wouldn't be like astronomical if they got upset by New Mexico State. It wouldn't like blow my mind or anything. Uh, so 
I, I think making those two lanes very distinct and then wagering units, you know, respectively on the feel pretty good about this, but it could get blown up parlay and the absolutely no chance short of being hit by a meteor parlay. Wasn't Purdue at, they were at 16 and a half and minus 2,500, right? Like a half hour ago, an hour ago. They're now at 15 and a half at minus 1,600. So that number's coming down a little bit. Uh, I'm not that surprised. I don't see the Yale stuff, man. I really don't. I, I think it's just an Ivy League thing. I Maybe. I think that people assume that Ivy League teams are smart and well-disciplined, and usually that, that is the case. But like, do you actually know how good Yale is? Because Ivy League basketball, frankly, isn't very good. Like It's generally clean basketball, but these teams are not very good. Purdue has an overwhelming amount of talent. I don't know how on earth Yale is going to cover Jaden Ivey. I'm kind of coming around to this 15 and a half, but I might even just wait because if this number is dropping, if it's dropped a full point in 45 minutes, I mean, talk about a, a money line parlay there. Purdue could wind up end up being at, I don't know, minus 1200 or something. Yeah. No what else thanks. you got? Um, Michigan is a two and a half point state over Colorado, uh, two and a half point favorite against Colorado state. Michigan is an 11. Colorado state is a six. Why is Michigan a two and a half point favorite? Like that's that's very weird to me, and not not funky weird. Like ooh, I want to lean into that. That to me is Colorado State has no marketplace exposure. Michigan has had a ton of marketplace exposure over the last month. Everybody knows what went on with that team the last three weeks of the season. Uh, it, it feels to me like they are getting way too much respect. Colorado State's good. And they play in a good conference. The Mountain West is a good conference this year. And the public will definitely talk about the public being on North Carolina. The public's going to be all over Michigan. Yes, on that I would think that the public would be on Michigan, especially. I I don't know. I you know I never know how to figure out what the public's going to do with like an 11 seed that's favored, especially when you add in like who the six seed is. It's not a Power Five team. So it's that's that's a little hard for me to to game out. But it does feel like the public will be on Michigan here. I'm I'm having trouble envisioning like average betters being like, oh yeah, Colorado State watched a lot of them this year. So I think Colorado State is a, is a great side there, and I would take them on the money line uh, as well as taking them plus the two and a half. We've talked about South Dakota State, how funky they are as a two and a half point dog as a thirteen. I will definitely be on the Jackrabbits. Michigan State as a one and a half point favorite over Davidson as a seven seed. I am eyeballing Davidson really hard there. This, like, put this in the North Carolina bucket, right? Michigan State, classic brand for March basketball. They're a, they're a seven seed playing against a 10 seed, and I, they've only got to lay in a point and a half. Like, give me Michigan State. You know, we're already talking about Michigan State, how they match up with other teams in later rounds. Like, I just love Davidson in the spot. It's all about the number. Like, they're. There are great podcasts that I like, that you probably like, that are going to give you the basketball breakdown of how Davidson will match up or or play against Michigan State. And maybe three or four years ago, that's what I would have done on this podcast. I'm just telling you economically at this point, Davidson is a one and a half point favorite. That's a total buy for me. Just the number itself is telling me that I should be wary of Michigan State in that spot. Uh, we talked a lot about Houston UAB. Uh, this number was seven and a half. It's now up to eight and a half. This is too many points for, for UAB. And this is the classic. Um, you can jump in on this one. Cause I know you've got thoughts on this one as well. 
This is the classic 5-12 that nobody pays any attention to, right? Like right. Houston went to the Final Four last year. People feel like they know what they're getting with them. Their UAB is not going to be a trendy 12-5 upset pick, kind of like Oregon State wasn't last year. I feel pretty good about UAB plus 8.5 here, and I would definitely be looking at the Blazers on the money line. I, I just I mentioned this on Spaces too. I look at – I'm not going to have the mid-major argument what is a mid-major, but Houston – is generally seen as a mid-major, I think, even though they have the high major budget and they're coming to the Big 12 and they went to the Final Four and all that kind of stuff. I just think that 5-12 all mid-majors are looked at differently by the public and by myself. I think that I just evaluate that a little bit differently, especially when the other side of that, Illinois-Chattanooga, like the idea of a Houston-Illinois matchup, it's not a very sexy matchup. So I don't know how many people are actually paying attention to this 5-12 game for a Houston team that doesn't have like necessarily star power. And I keep going back to the, this Marquette Murray state game. It's still at the top of my mind from a couple of years ago when John Morant uh, from Murray state in that 12, five game, they just blasted Marquette, but they had the star power. We don't have that in this game. So it feels like all of the different elements that could push a mid major 12, five game up there just aren't there at all. And that's why I'm a little bit afraid to touch this game. It's one that I might just wait until later in the week to get to and see where the public is, where this number has moved. What's it at right now? What'd you say it's at? Eight and a half. Eight and a half. That's a lot of points, man. Yeah, we might have to come back. I mean, we'll come back to that game on Wednesday for sure, but I think that's a game that I want to see where that number goes. Uh, Anything else? I wanted to just briefly talk about these first four games because we won't be on until after all these games uh, tip off. But anything else elsewhere before? A uh, few notes on Rutgers, Notre Dame, Bryant Wright State, uh, Wyoming, Indiana, and then Texas a Corpus Christi, Texas Southern. We talked about Chattanooga a ton already on Twitter Spaces. Yeah. Uh, the Chattanooga-Illinois thing, I think the Reader's Digest version is Chattanooga is really good. They also have pretty high public awareness, so it's kind of hard to read the line, how much of its marketplace how much of it is is maybe a more strict interpretation of the teams and the matchup and the basketball and everything. Uh, I think Chattanooga as a seven and a half point underdog against a really good Illinois team in a four thirteen, like, the book is showing respect to Chattanooga at that point. I, I think they are giving Chattanooga credit as a good team that could win this game, but I struggle to see how they're going to match up. Um, so this is this is one that like if you're forcing me to bet it, I'll take Chattanooga in the points. But man, like this this there are a lot of better opportunities on the board that I would rather have. I like Miami plus the one and a half uh, against USC. This is a seven ten that I think profiles a lot like that Michigan State Davidson game. The fact that the ten is only a one and a half point dog, you're really making that seven look appealing. Uh, so I'm gonna I'm gonna lean toward the ten as well, and then Colgate plus eight and a half against Wisconsin in a game that's being played, basically a home game for Wisconsin. Like you're not really that far away from Madison at that point. Uh, I I'm kind of surprised Colgate is catching eight and a half. I thought they'd be more like a, like eleven and a half, like maybe a little bit more in that neighborhood. So the fact that they are only at eight and a half really makes me want to give Colgate a look, despite the fact that my initial impression looking at Wisconsin and where they're going to play and, uh, you know, the, the path and everything, I was like, wow, is Wisconsin like a sleeper final four team? Uh, this number kind of surprised me. It actually just dropped to seven and a half. Now. There you go. So you're, I mean, and I, I get 
why? Because I think people kind of know Colgate as much as you can know Colgate from the last couple of years because they, I mean, they're, they're a really good team. There aren't many teams that come out of the Patriot League that are that are actually good mid-majors. Colgate is one of them over the last couple of years. But now Wisconsin at 7.5, I get why they're down. I mean, that, that Nebraska game was very high profile. They played poorly even before Johnny Davis got hurt. I don't dislike Johnny Davis, but I do think he's a little bit overrated. I think that he's an All-American, absolutely, but I think he forces things too much. Um, I I understand why this number it was at 8.5 and, and actually why it's going down. I would be pretty shocked if it kept going down. I wouldn't be at all surprised if this number came down and people start thinking, all right, maybe Johnny Davis is healthy. We'll probably get some good reports throughout the week that Johnny Davis practice and yada, yada, yada. And maybe this number goes back up to eight. You mentioned the location thing. I, I don't see that hurting Wisconsin. So I, at seven and a half, I'm taking a pretty hard look at it. This is kind of one of those games along with the Chattanooga game where I like Illinois to cover. I like Wisconsin to cover, but I don't hate Colgate at the plus 280. I think it kind of falls under the New Mexico State thing. I wouldn't be surprised if Colgate won this game, but I do think Wisconsin ultimately covers. Uh, you want to talk first four? Yeah, let's do first four really quickly. We have Rutgers, Notre Dame, Bryant, Wright State, Wyoming, Indiana, Corpus Christi, and Texas Southern. Uh, I mentioned this in spaces too. I like Indiana to cover the three and a half. I'm not even, I'm not reading the numbers. I'm not thinking about this at all. I just don't think Wyoming is a tourney team. Uh, can, I, can I stop you right there? Please. Wyoming plus 155 on the money line. Already bet it. A lot of times when you go against me, I'll then tell you because you've been doing this longer than I have. I don't see it. I get that I'm paying I'm paying the Indiana tax. I get it. This is like taking a Chiefs bet when they were just rolling against the spread and you're paying the Patrick Mahomes Chiefs tax. You're paying the two and a half points or whatever it is. Yeah, I, that's fine. I'm paying one and a half or two on Indiana I just don't care because I think Indiana is a pretty good team and Wyoming is just a mid-major that was pretty good in a deep conference. I think that this is a virtual toss-up and one team getting three to two is kind of silly. And that's really all it is for me. Like I, I'm I'm not at all convinced that Wyoming is like the better team. I'm not convinced they're going to win or anything. It just seems like, as you said, the the cost of Indiana here is a little out of whack, and I think part of it is is a Big Ten versus mid major style team kind of thing. But uh, yeah, I mean, I didn't even take the points with him. It was all about plus one fifty five in a like toss up first four game is a little a little bit much for me. So I, I went ahead and bought in on it. I don't have anything else in the 16 games. We we mentioned the Bryant Wright State, the whole Peter Kiss thing. The only thing I don't want to like tell people what to do, but just proceed with caution when you have a player like that that nobody had ever heard of until last week. If there wasn't the fight in the stands, I don't even know if everybody would have heard of him until now. But because of the fight, because everybody's now knows who Bryant and Peter Kiss is, I, I think that that number is kind of interesting because nobody knew who Bryant was before. Uh, anything on that game? Anything on AM Corpus Christi, Texas Southern? I, uh, look, I'm not betting Bryant Wright State. Absolutely not. But if I had to, I'm probably on Wright State. It's simply because the NAC is not a good basketball conference. Like, you're talking about two low majors, but there's still a lot of difference between some of these low major conferences, and the NAC is not. Rutgers, Notre Dame. I don't know if there's been. A, like a 
team like Notre Dame, who was good, they went like 15 and five or 16 and four or something like that in the ACC this season, barely got into the tournament. And yet nobody is really talking about them. They're plus one and a half against a Rutgers team that I think might be a little bit overvalued. Going back to the Iowa State thing, I think they kind of fall into the same bucket, but I don't no, I can't get a read on Notre Dame, I guess, because they're, they're plus one and a half. But the the juice on this game is real funky. So if you look at the money line right now, it's actually a straight one ten split, and they're plus one and a half, but they're minus one twenty five, and Rutgers is minus one and a half and plus one hundred five. So it's it's they're kind of doing like a magic trick with the spread right now. It's a coin flip game. I mean, that's that's really all they're doing. That's really all they're doing here is coin flip game. Uh, this is one that I want to look at a little bit more. I'm leaning Notre Dame just because I think they are the more undervalued team here. I know that the ACC wasn't great this year, but I don't think it was like that bad where Notre Dame doing that well in the ACC should be crapped on this much and barely getting the tournament. I thought they were properly seated, but I think purely from a value standpoint, I'm leaning Notre Dame here. I kind of lean Rutgers. I kind of lean Rutgers just because... Um, I have seen them beat better competition this year. I think they're more battle tested. And I I think just in in almost any sporting competition, there's going to be when Rutgers is involved, there is almost definitionally value on Rutgers because Rutgers has spent so much time as a punchline. I've been in this closet a long time. We We, started Twitter. We have been going at this tonight. Yeah. We started Twitter spaces two hours ago. Yep. Started getting prepped about 15 minutes before that. I've been sitting in a, cl- no, a closet with uh, no circulation at all. So we need to we need to pull this, I think. We're a little bit longer. We talked about doing 30 minutes. We're way past that. Let's call it here. We'll come back, do an episode on Wednesday. We'll drop that right away. Usually we don't drop an episode until what, Thursday morning. Yeah. Uh, but because of maybe we can even do it before some of those Wednesday first four games. We'll figure that out. We'll drop it right away Wednesday morning. And then we'll be our uh, Wednesday afternoon. We'll be on spaces then uh, Thursday morning, I believe, at 11 a.m. Eastern. We're going to hop on. So come on there. We can give out some handle and ticket information, stuff like that. If you have any questions about trends, if you just want to give some picks, uh, there's a BetMGM bracket challenge. So if you want to come on there, we're talking betting. We also love filling out brackets, so if you want to come in there and just give flat-out picks, I know that you and I have talked about the different strategy of making picks versus actually picking a bracket. Always a fascinating discussion. Anyways, we'll be on uh, Twitter Spaces Thursday morning. We'll be back on the Lion's Edge on Wednesday. Thank you for listening to Lion's Edge, presented by BetMGM. <laughs>